Okay, Alvin, tell me your story. You know, Marshallese are heartwarming. They're welcoming people. And, um, you know, being raised in that perspective uh, of mind uh, raised me out to be like a, like a gentleman, actually. Maya Angelou once said, when you learn, teach. When you get, give. Alvin Hiram has done both. He's been given another chance at life, and he uses that gift to help give back and educate the young Marshallese students in his community. Born on the islands in the Central Pacific, as a small child, Alvin and his family immigrated across the world to the United States, only to be faced with an even harder battle. On this episode, I'm joined by Alvin and Dr. Regina Stuman, the current principal of Sonora Elementary School in Springdale, Arkansas. This is a story about family and friends, a story of love and strength. But most of all, this is a story about hope, because hope is what guides us. It's what gets us through the day and especially the night. The Marshallese community has endured being driven from their homeland to a new country where it's taken everything they have in order for them to survive. But they do survive, and they do keep pressing on. And Alvin Hiram is a representation of hope in the Marshallese community and for their future. My name's Shane White, and welcome to Arkansas Atoll. I came here when I was five. I was turning six. Do you have any memories of the island? Sure, I sure do. Tell me about those. Um, well, being on the islands um, is actually pretty awesome. Uh, you, when I was, you know, re- you know, growing up in a family where you have to do chore- chores a lot, um, so um, every every my morning routine would I would wake up in the morning, uh, get coconuts, <laughs> and um, get get them ready for breakfast, feed the chickens, um, feed the pigs, and. Uh, I would usually go to the backyard and I would um, cut down bananas, you know. So basically I would get breakfast ready for everybody. And everybody has a specific job they have to do. After those jobs are met, you're free to go. And so living on the islands, you know, having to have a you know small island, you know, you can probably walk like really close next to the next town, uh, probably like a mile and a half and then you're in the next town. So uh, it's just... I mean, we're very small, but then we're we're still like strong together. Uh, living in the islands is just it's actually like living in paradise. At the islands, I was a playful kid. What was it like leaving the islands and coming to America? When I first moved here, um, I think the biggest thing that I really had was language. Uh, my language barrier between the English language, and the Marshallese language. Alvin and his family came to the United States, having to learn a brand new language and start a brand new life. I came here as a kid who didn't know much, a kid who always wanted to see a cow. (laughs) My family had hard times, too. There were some times where, um, you know, our lights would go off, you know, our, you know, electricity and water would go off as well. But uh, we still fought through. Um, and uh, I believe that, you know, 
me getting to know the language really helped out my parents. And um, we, you know, got to see these programs that we would never see that would help us out with those um, needs. When I first started school, I believe that it was very difficult for me. I didn't make a lot of friends. I, um, I was alone a lot. Uh, and um, I started kindergarten and uh, I was, I was that one kid that I was, you know, stick by himself. But I'm very grateful that, uh, you know, the teachers here in Springdale really helped me, you know, grow to be a man who could communicate. So, Dr. Suman, it sounds like you've been in Alvin's life since very early on. When I was at Lee Elementary, I was the assistant principal for one year and then principal. And it was during my time as principal that Alvin and his family came to our school. At that time, Marshall Lee's families coming into the school was somewhat new. So we were looking for ways to engage the families, to engage the students, to let them see um, school as the necessity it was, that we could move them forward and help them in, in the new place that they lived now, and also to learn about their cultures because we, we noticed some differences and we were looking for ways that we could take what they brought and make that be a strength and also let them see how we could help and really kind of bridge that gap between home and school. So during that time, we started having Marshallese Literacy Nights, and that's what we called them, Marshallese Literacy Nights. We partnered with uh, some district personnel who were Marshallese, that, that, that was their liaison um, duties, and then we also partnered with local churches, Marshallese churches, and they would bring in foods, which was a great way for us to get to learn some of their culture. Alvin's mother, Carol, brought her family to every one of those events. My youngest daughter is the same age as Alvin, and they were in fifth grade at this point in time, and it was Christmas. And all the teachers and the homeroom moms decided to get the kids together for a Christmas party. And weeks leading up to this, Alvin had not been his usual self. He had not been as, as excited, as peppy. He was a member of our stomp team. He didn't want to really participate. That particular day, he was sitting at the back of the room in the cafeteria, not participating, not eating anything, not participating in the games, not talking to anyone. And that was a big red flag for us because that was another significant behavior change. And so I remember approaching him and talking to him and he just said, I just don't, I just don't feel good. For some reason uh, that night, um, my face had swollen up and um, my veins have popped all over my body and also my face. Like you can see veins all on my neck and everything. You know, I went to sleep pretty early because I felt real tired. The next thing I knew, I woke up around five or four o'clock or, you know, in the morning. My mom has just um, came back from work around those times in the morning because she used to work nights. When she came, she came to um, the scene of, you know, my, my older brother banging his hand on my chest because I was, you know, coughing real hard. She got shocked, actually. She got scared. So she took me to the Mercy Hospital over there in Rogers. We stayed there for a little while. At first, they told us, you know, um, we got, because the, they took me to do some CT scans just to see what's going on. Because uh, I think my chest was the main, main part that, like, the veins were just popping out real, real bad. So they told us that, you know, um, we got the results. They said, you know, there's something there. Like we got something like a cloud figure or something like that around um, my chest area. And they said, oh, we don't know what it is. 
but then we're going to send you up to Arkansas Children's Hospital over there in Little Rock just to see what it is. They took us into uh, an ambulance and took us down over there to Little Rock. So um, my dad didn't know anything because he was still asleep at my house. <laughs> and uh, so he gets a call, you know, around 11 o'clock in the morning and say, hey, um, we're going to go down to uh, Little Rock to the Children's Hospital just to see what's going on. And, um, you know, being as a kid, I just thought, you know, it was pretty cool, you know, riding in an ambulance and all that stuff. <laughs> I thought, you know, I'm getting the best, you know, treatment of my life just to go somewhere really far that I've never been to. Um, as we got there, we went straight into the emergency room. And, um, you know, there was a lot of commotion. You know, everybody's, you know, taking me to this room and taking me to another room, doing some tests and a lot of tests and taking, drawing blood and all that stuff. After they got the final tests and everything. They, um, they told me that I had cancer. And um, leukemia was the cancer that I had. You know, I can still remember, see, uh, I can see, still see my mom when she was there at the hospital, you know. I don't, like, just her getting that news was not, it's not really good for her. And, uh, you know, being as a kid, they had to talk to her alone. You know, I can just, there's like a, there was like a window in my door and uh, I can just see her fall into tears and fall to the ground. Yeah, it was pretty hard. But, you know, like I said, you know, being as a kid, I, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what cancer was at first. So, you know, I, I thought nothing of it. Um, I did cry because, you know, seeing your mother emotional and just fall down like that was uh, not a pretty picture. Um, so, if I could remember, they told my parents, like, they don't know where it came from. They don't know um, how it happened, how it developed. Uh, but they were pretty sure that, you know, it could be from, like, the nuclear destruction of the islands and how, those, how that radiation just spread apart and everything like that. In the interests of national defense, atomic tests, one detonated from this control ship, next riveted world attention on these atolls. Boiling radioactive clouds erupted over Bikini in 1946 and intermittently at Bikini and Eniwetok for 12 years. Massive hydrogen bomb explosions which erased whole islands and left others barren climaxed the tests. The testing raised questions and fears about whether these stricken islands could ever recover. Could plants and animals become re-established at this scene of almost total destruction? I was told that, um, you know, they started to realize that the effect of the bomb was very dangerous. We didn't really know what to do. We had no money. We stayed at the hospital. They gave us a room. And uh, my mom had to tell my dad where we were. You know, he was kind of surprised that we were going to just go in, and he thought it was nothing big, but it was actually something big. I've been in the hospital for five years, getting treatment, getting chemo, chemotherapy, and, you know, just battling a lot. And uh, I, I had that, one, like, one thought that I was going to probably go away. I was probably going to not be here anymore. You know, my parents were very religious. And I believe that, you know, this was a big battle, like the biggest battle for them that God has given them. And, uh, you know, it's just a leap of faith. So uh, when 
me and my mom was in there in the hospital. All, like, I, all she could ever do was pray. And um, my dad, you know, f you know, being so far away from us, he did as well. I'd say like a month after, you know, the treatment of chemotherapy, I started losing my hair. And uh, I would get video calls, you know, from Lee Elementary, uh, the students, all my friends. And, um, you know, it was kind of hard, you know, because <clears throat> um, being so far from school, and being so far from my friends and all my teachers was kind of hard. You know, I had support from the schools. I had support from my teachers. I had support from like all my friends. And um, there would be some times when they would come to the hospital and visit uh, Dr. Stuman, um, all my, uh, my teachers that I had, and uh, my friends sometimes too. They would come take the ride with them all the way to Little Rock, you know, three or four hours, and uh, just to see me. So I felt pretty special. <laughs> there were news stories and people were donating money and or buying the bracelets to help with his medical bills, costs for the family to travel back and forth to Little Rock. Um, it really was just an army that came together to help and support him. Alvin's army is kind of like a, kind of like a, like a wake up call actually uh, for help. It was actually uh, my teachers over there and um, I had uh, my, my f most favorite teachers uh, that helped up. Uh, they like raised up some money by selling these bracelets. And these bracelets were like, um, you know, they're green and they're, they had my name on it and also um, the word army. So what they thought was, you know, we're here together to fight and like um, we're here together to help you. And that's what they probably told me. And like, you know, that felt really good to have, you know, people by my back. These little green bracelets with the words Alvin's Army on them were the saving grace for Alvin and his medical care. So what it is was uh, they would sell these little bracelets around um, the elementary school. There was a high school student over in Springdale High that heard about it. And then um, he got into the move and uh, he, you know, took some bracelets from Dr. Stuman and started selling them over there in the high school. Basically, they said um, selling those bracelets would help out with most of my medical bills. I ended um, treatment around 2015 um, and they told me that I was cancer free and uh, I never thought it would come actually but it did yeah it did just by the help of everybody else. Dr. Stuman continued to be involved in Alvin's life even after she transferred to another school within the Springdale school system. And so I followed and kept up with Alvin through the years, both my husband and I had, because uh, at one time he did win an award in elementary school. He won the PTA Reflections Award for choreography. Alvin was involved with a group that performed body-based percussion and step dance called Stomp. Last one. His parents at the time couldn't take him to Little Rock, so my husband and I took him and let he was able to meet the governor and uh, be celebrated for his choreography and that. So we were close to him, and he, he was a special kiddo in our hearts, so we followed him through the years. Due to so many new Marshall East students joining the school district and right after Alvin had graduated high school, Springdale Public Schools decided to hire a community liaison to help with the communication between the teachers and the students and their parents. I knew Alvin had just graduated high school, so reached out to him, and he didn't have a job and was very interested in now being in that role that so many people had been in for him and his family. 
and being able to help kids and their families connect. I work for the Springdale School District. I am a parent liaison for Sonora Elementary and Jones Elementary. And uh, I just help out um, the little kids that probably, you know, came from islands and just started, you know, they're starting to learn English. And uh, sometimes I do phone calls for parents as well. So I would say, like, uh, I'm kind of like the bridge for uh, the staff and for the parents. So I help communicate for them. It's been very beneficial because um, I get to just, you know, interact with people. And uh, if I could say, like, I'm a really good people person. I like to, um, you know, make someone smile. I like to uh, just help them out the best way I can. You know, being in that, you know, perspective of being an adult was a big challenge for me. But then I believe that, you know, uh, having um, this job just to interact with kids gives me the best communications that I can, like communication skills that I can, you know, you know, have. It made me realize that, you know, wow, like I love this job. Because um, every time I make a kid feel, you know, um, welcome just by, you know, letting them know what's going on, they have that urge of learning. They have that urge, you know, urge just to learn more about the things that they're being taught. It's better if we learn together and so that, you know, we can see, you know, the smiling faces of, you know, kids that don't know the language. So I did work with um, uh, Marshallese, uh, Marshallese kids. His name, is, um, his name is Mr. Robert. I call him Mr. Robert because he likes to call being called Mr. He, um, he just, you know, he's one of those kids that are, you know, just fresh off the boat. They came, you know, into the United States. They were just like me. So um, every time I see a Marshallese kid that is um, having struggle with their classes, having struggle with um, just learning, you know, in particular, I see myself. I see myself as um, like them, actually. They, I actually put myself in their shoes because, you know, when I reflect back, you know, I'm thinking that was me. And um, so th that's like the main reason why I love, you know, just being here, you know, interacting with the kids, making little books for them to read. Mm. Mom, Mom asked, do you want to ride your bike? Ned shook his head. Ned said no. Do you have a bike like that? No. No, do you have a bike? No? <laughs> mm. Okay, let's see the next page. Okay. It's actually, you know, heartwarming just to see them happy every time they see me. You know, just being with them creates a connection. Everywhere you go, you see that connection. I mean, I went to Walmart once and I saw Mr. Robert and he came over, he's like, hey, I know you. It's great to see them, see like the kids that I work with everywhere I go because, you know, they just have that urge just to say, oh, that's Mr. Alvin. He's the guy that helps me out in school. You know, he's the guy who uh, makes books for me. He's the guy who reads to me sometimes. And um, he's the guy who just makes me laugh. <laughs> he has always had a passion ever since his experience to give back to families and students who have an illness, to give back in the medical field because so much was done for him. So I was uh, there when Blue Cliff College actually met with him one afternoon and told him that his college was paid for 100% and that he was going to get to go through. So it's really hard looking back at all that, how quickly it's gone by that Alvin has now finished his school, actually has a job in the medical field, but is finishing out this year part-time with us still working with some Marshallese families. So it's been a joy to watch it and to see him be able to take 
the dream and the experiences that were laid in front of him as a child and use those now to help other families and to help other Marshallese families. Absolutely a joy. It's been a blessing to me. I officially uh, graduated college. I went to school for being a medical assistant. And um, I am currently working um, in a chiropractic clinic. I want to be like a, a nurse or, you know, close to be like a registered nurse. The reason being is because, you know, when I was sick and everything, I had those nurses that I didn't know who they were. I didn't know their backgrounds. I didn't know um, what they do or like where they're from. The only thing I knew was that they were always there for me. And uh, having someone that you don't know be there for you um, inspired me to be um, a nurse, actually, because I believe that um, it takes a lot of um, time to build up courage to, you know, just meet somebody and then always let them know that you're always there for them. And um, I believe that that's a, you know, heartwarming love that, you know, the Lord has given them. So. That what, that's what really inspired me to be in, become a nurse because I want to be there for somebody, even though I don't know them. You know, I want to help them out any way that I can. I'm pushing real hard. You know, I'm, I'm doing all that I can. I believe that I've never worked hard like this ever in my life before, just to get something that I've, I really love to do, you know, just to be someone to help those in need. Alvin Hiram is a first-generation Marshallese immigrant has helped making a difference in his adoptive community of Northwest Arkansas. By doing this, not only is he following his dream of helping those in need, he's supporting the next generation of his people. Arkansas Atoll is a production of the Arkansas Story Vault Project at the David and Barbara Pryor Center for Arkansas Oral and Visual History, Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Arkansas. Shane White, Neba Evans, Obed Lamy, Octavia Roll, and Sam Weitzel are the student producers for this podcast series. Sarah K. Moore and Colleen Thurston are the staff and faculty advisors to the project with the guidance of Dr. William Schwab. Funding for this Arkansas Story Vault project was provided by a generous donation from the Walton Family Foundation. Our sincerest gratitude is extended to the Marshallese community of Northwest Arkansas for sharing their stories with us. For ways to support them during the COVID-19 crisis, visit impactnwa.org. That's impactnwa.org. The theme song used for this podcast series, and so that I don't butcher the correct pronunciation, in Mr. Teban's own words, is titled, We'd like to extend our many thanks to Mr. Jorlick Teban and producer Scott Steg for their musical contribution. Bandar